0: John chapter 19, verses 23 to 30. This is the word of the Lord. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, But cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister. Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby... He said to his mother, woman, behold, your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold, your mother. And from that from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge of full of sour wine on a hyssop branch And held it to his mouth. When he had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let us pray. Our Lord and God, we do ask that you would mercifully and graciously open up our eyes to see clearly your Son. Open up our minds, Lord, to understand and perceive his true humanity. And his true deity. And Lord, open up our hearts that we, by your grace, may receive your truth in faith and not only hear it, but live, Lord, to the glory of God. For the sake of your Son, we pray I decrease, that you may increase, I become less, so that you may become more. Pray that you move me out of the way this morning and that you alone would be seen and glorified. Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated this morning. We come this morning and continue our series of the seven sayings of the Lord Jesus Christ on the Calvary on crosses, the cross of Calvary. We come this morning to the, the fifth of the seven sayings of our Lord from the cross. You will remember the first saying of our Lord was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The second saying of our Lord was to the penitent thief on the cross who was crucified next to him. And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. The third saying of our Lord was to his mother and to the disciple whom he loved as he, even in the midst of excruciating pain, obeyed the commands of his father to honor his parents And displayed tender compassion to his mother, saying, Woman, behold your son. The Lord Jesus committed his mother Mary into the care of the Apostle John. And to the Apostle John he said, Behold your mother. And last week we saw perhaps the the most profound and perplexing statement in all of Scripture. When Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, cries out, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And now this morning we come to the fifth saying or the fifth statement of our Lord from the cross of Calvary. And these words, they come toward the very end of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he senses that this is the end. He's hung on Calvary's cross now for six hours. He has hung suspended from his hands and from his feet. It has become nearly impossible for our lord to take in a deep breath he must pull himself up by those nail pierced hands and feet reaching with all of his might all of his might just so that he might breathe his body is filled with unimaginable pain he is exhausted beyond our comprehension and he he is thirsty with that said, we come to a short statement that perhaps, if you're like me, you've, you've read this statement before. You may have read past this statement before, but never, if you're like me, stop to, to understand its meaning. If you're like me, maybe you've never stopped to understand its significance. As his word says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture. I thirst. I wonder if you've ever paused to consider that passage. Is there anything that our Lord has said in all of his life that was insignificant? Is there any word that proceeded from the mouth or proceeded from the mouth of the Lord Jesus that was insignificant? No. Every word that proceeded from the lips of the sin bearing, sin atoning Son of God was significant. Here we see the maker of heaven and earth, God in the flesh, and he is thirsty. He has, if you will, parched lips. That thought alone is enough to fill the rest of your day with awe and wonder. God in the flesh is thirsty. Notice how the word of God never attempts to gloss over the weaknesses, or the fears of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no attempt to airbrush our Savior by avoiding details of his true humanity. As our Lord hangs on the cross, beaten, bruised, bloody, in excruciating pain that accompanies crucifixion, he says, I thirst. Now, what are we to understand from this small, short, brief statement? there are four things that I would like us to consider this morning. Number one, Jesus' thirst was fulfilling Scripture. The thirst of Jesus was fulfilling Scripture. Verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said... And do you see what that next word is, or the next saying is? He says to fulfill the Scripture. I thirst... Our Lord is fulfilling Psalm 69 verse 21. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst, they gave me wine to drink. Our Lord is self-consciously fulfilling the scriptures. And in saying, I thirst, the Lord is self-consciously identifying himself with the godly sufferer in the Psalm. In the Lord's cry of forsakenness, the Lord could no longer say, Father, All he could say was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was a sense in that moment when who he was was eclipsed in his own mind by the forsakenness of his father. Listen to that again. There was a sense that who he was in his own mind, who he knew he was, was eclipsed by the forsakenness, by being forsaken by his father. But now. Our Lord is coming through the worst. He is coming through the forsakenness. And He is beginning to regain that sense of who He is. He's beginning to regain the fact that He is the Lord's suffering servant. That, that understanding is returning to Him. Do you get that? After this, after the forsakenness, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, it's over. The forsakenness was all but over. The sense of being the suffering servant given up by God to be the sin atoning savior of the world. That sense is now returning to him. So he takes the words from the 69th Psalm. Which are from a godly suffering servant of the Lord. And he applies those words to himself. He is coming out of the forsakenness of the sense of the father and he is returning to his, his self. He's returning to his mission. The, the accomplishment is slowly returning to him. Every little detail in the life of our Lord was spoken of beforehand. Every little detail of our life was prophesied beforehand. Even something so small that we might glance right over it as I thirst. It's prophesied of the Lord beforehand. Every little detail, even something so simple, so seemingly insignificant as I thirst. And even this seemingly insignificant saying of our Lord was prophesied. But, but why? You need, you need to ask why. Why was this? Out of all of the things that our Lord has said, why has this statement been singled out as being something prophesied that the Savior of the world would say? Of all the things that he could say. Why focus on these words? I thirst. We'll come back to that. But know that he is fulfilling scripture. His whole life is a life that is self-consciously shaped and styled, directed and informed by God's written word. He is a man of the book. He's the man whose whole life was not only shaped and styled by God's word, but his whole life was also determined by God's word. Not only shaped, not only styled, but also determined by the word of God. The Lord Jesus Christ goes or lives as it is written. The Lord Jesus Christ goes or lives as it is written or even as it is written of him. He goes, he lives, he lives only according to what God has said. And here in the midst of his suffering, our Lord is self-consciously recovering for himself the sense of who he is. He is the suffering servant of the Lord. But also in saying I thirst, secondly, God was telling us the weight and the wages of our sin that were being poured out on him. The Lord God was telling us the weight and the wages of our sin that was being poured out on him. Verse 28, after Jesus, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. Now, I wonder if we could gain some understanding from the book of Luke, chapter 16. Verse 19 from this passage in this chapter, chapter 16 of Luke, we find the parable of the rich man and the beggar Lazarus. How many of you have ever heard that parable before? You should know it well. One man was poor. One man was rich. And at the end of their lives, Lazarus, the poor man, goes to, he- to heaven. The rich man goes to hell. And he is in torment there in hell. And do you remember the request of the rich man while he was in torment there in hell? It's found in verse 24 of the 16th chapter. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to do what? To dip the end of his finger in water. Why? To cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. Do you see the connection there? In crying out, I thirst, the Lord Jesus Christ is vocalizing what? His experience of enduring the torments of the wrath of God upon him in the place of sinners. He is enduring for us what the rich man endured in his own torment. He is enduring for us the, the anguish and the suffering that is found in hell. He is enduring. The wrath of God. He is experiencing the unquenchable fire of the divine wrath of God in his own body on the cross. He is experiencing, listen, don't let this gloss over your minds. He is experiencing raging thirst caused by God's holy wrath upon sin. If you have not trusted in Christ, you will experience this wrath. If you have not turned from your sins and trusted in Christ alone, what he is experiencing, you will experience. Does that hit home a little bit better for you? It's not just some story. He is enduring something for sinners who have trusted in him alone. If you've not trusted in Christ, you are still in your sins. And that which Christ is experiencing is your fate. He's experiencing the hell that you and I deserved. The hell that if you are not in Christ, you will deserve. Soon, his thirst will be over. But right here, the Lord is experiencing what you and I, because of our sin, should be experiencing. But because of his great mercy, as Isaiah was saying earlier, he is standing in our place. Oh, if you could go the rest of the day just understanding the divine wrath of God was taken for those who place their faith in Christ, then let the rest of your day be filled with glory and worship to God. By faith in Christ alone, we will never experience this divine wrath of God. By faith alone in Christ alone, we will never experience the unquenchable thirst of our soul. That he, as at, at this present time, or at that present time, is experiencing. Why? Because in my place he stood condemned. In my place condemned he stood. Here is the creator of all things. And he is thirsting. Here is the creator of all things. And he is longing for relief. Brothers and sisters, friends, visitors, what words are there for for me to say? What more can I say? We are able to apprehend this by faith, but to comprehend it is beyond you or me. He is thirsting because he is standing in our place. Third, I'd like you to, to, to ask yourself or you should be considering. Here's your third point. Why does Jesus now accept a drink? Verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. Think about this. Why does our Lord now accept a drink when previously he refused a drink? You ever thought about that? In Mark fifteen twenty-three, and also in Matthew, uh, I forget the chapter now, they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. And he did not take it. The soldiers offered Jesus a mixed drink and he refused. Why? What was the reason for Jesus refusing a drink then and now accepting a drink? Because the drink that was first offered to him was a soporific. Do you know what a soporific is? A soporific is a narcotic. It was wine mixed with gall, or it was wine mixed with myrrh. It was an equalizer. It was used to numb the pain, to lessen lessen the pain, or even cause Jesus to be completely unaware of the pain. It was offered to him. They offered him a narcotic. They offered him an equalizer. They offered him something that would cause him to either numb the pain, or even be unaware that there is any pain. And our Lord refused it. But now, verse 29, a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Why does our Lord receive the drink now when earlier he refused it? The reason is this, because Jesus in no way would have his suffering alleviated by taking a drink. The reason why our Lord refused the wine mixed with gall or the wine mixed with myrrh is because he would in no way have his suffering alleviated by taking a drink. Ponder that. It was a soporific. It was a drug to remove the pain, or again, to make the Lord completely unaware of the pain, and possibly even unaware of himself. But the Lord refused. Why? Why did He refuse a pain reliever? You and I would have received a pain reliever. Our Lord refused to take a drink because He needed to be, to the very last, alert. And to be completely, to the very last, a willing servant and a willing victim. A willing servant and a willing victim. He refused the temptation to be drugged out of his mind. A drugged out victim. He refused the temptation to be led to the cross, hanging on the cross, drugged out of his mind, medicated out of his mind, unable to perceive what was going on around him. The wine mixed with myrrh would have dulled his senses. It would have—it was a soporific. It would have—it uh, would have dulled his pain. And the Lord Jesus refused it, so that to the very end he might be a willing, pain-enduring, alert servant of the Lord. Why? Why though? What was the alertness for? So that when the thief on the cross looked to him and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus would not be doled out of his mind that he could not respond, but that he would be so alert that he would be able to instantly respond. Truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. I can remember the the rupturing of my Achilles tendon and they gave me these little pills and they said, these will help you feel better. And I was seeing things fly all around my room. So I finally just I I refuse it. I'll take the pain. At least I know what's going on in my life. So and that is no way to connect myself to Christ. But you know what it's like when you're on medication. You have no ability to perceive anything that's going on. People can't even have a normal conversation with you because you're not in your right mind. And also. In his dying moments, he would not be dull to the needs of his mother. He remembers the commands of God. He cares for his mother. He commends her to the care of John. He is in his right mind. He refused any anesthetic so that to the very last he might be the willing servant of the Lord. Able to respond to the sufferings of others. And listen, able, able even to respond to his own sufferings. Even when he's being mocked and derided by the crowds, they come and say, come down from the cross. If you are the son of God and we will believe in you. Our Lord needed to have all of his faculties, all of his faculties in order to resist and repel the temptations of Satan. To resist the suggestions of Satan, this potential relief. Offered by wine mixed with myrrh or gall. Was, was really a last attempt by Satan to render Jesus a mindless, drugged out sacrifice. One last attempt. It wasn't just come down from the cross. It was one last attempt. Here, numb your pain. And the Lord refused. But above all, and listen close. He refused to receive the the wine mixed with myrrh or gall because Jesus must fully taste death. He refused so that he might fully taste death. Listen, not just die. It would have been easy for Christ to just die, but that he might taste every ounce of the cup of the wrath of God, that he might not just die, But that he would completely taste death. Why? For your and my sake. This is why it took him so long to die. And also, why he had to die without any anesthetic. Brothers and sisters, he had to walk as his people walk. And how do we walk? Do we walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Tasting the fear of the valley. Tasting the power of the the sin of the valley. And then yielding himself willingly and deliberately to that valley. The darkness and all therein. He has walked the paths that you and I walk, brothers and sisters. He is not one that is not able to... Sympathize with your weaknesses he has walked your steps he has walked into the very shadows the very depths of the darkest darkness he has been where you are and beyond that is why he refused but now the deed has been done he has offered himself willingly he has offered himself freely deliberately with all of his faculties of all of his mind and all of his heart and now, when he is offered relief, he receives it. But you, you may ask, but was the drink still not a medicated drink? It was not the same drink. It was not the same drink. The Bible tells us that it was a jar of wine, vinegar. A jar of wine vinegar. Not vinegar or not wine mixed with, with myrrh or wine mixed with gall, as Matthew tells us. But it was wine Vinegar. It had no alcohol left in it. It had no soporific in it. It was sour wine that had turned into vinegar. And it was meant only for the soldiers. What? It was called posca. And it was called, it was a popular drink by the Roman soldiers. And it was used by diluting sour wine vinegar with water. It was inexpensive. And it was considered more thirst quenching than even water alone. It wasn't meant to get drunk. It was meant to quench thirst for the scorching heat that soldiers would endure on a daily basis. That is what our Lord drank. In no way was he dulled in his pain. But rather, that drink gave our Lord just enough moisture for his parched throat and for his parched lips so that he might loudly proclaim in triumph the words that we will hear from Golgotha's hill it is finished. Just enough. Just enough to loudly proclaim for all who have ears to hear. It is finished. And then think about this. The tool. The tool that was used to, to aid our Lord and to give him a drink. What was it? It was a hyssop branch. John writes nothing by chance. John is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Every single word that he writes is Intentional. So what's the significance of a hyssop branch? What was the tool that the children of Israel used to sprinkle the blood on the doorpost during the Passover in Egypt? They used a hyssop branch. No small point from John. John is pointing to the purification and sacrifices in the temple that Christ is the lamb that was slain. It is his blood that was shed for you for our purification. So place your faith in Christ and escape the wrath of God that is coming. To God be the glory. And finally. In saying I thirst Our Lord was expressing his true humanity. In saying I thirst, our Lord was expressing his true humanity. Verse 28, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture. I thirst. Brothers and sisters, often we are so concerned with defending and proclaiming the true deity of Christ, that Jesus was God. And that is the right thing to do. But we often fail to give just as much emphasis to the Bible's insistence on the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God. Yes. Make no mistake about that. But he is also man. Jesus was not a man that we made into a God, nor was he a God that we made into a man. He was not a divinized man or a humanized God. In a number of ways, the Gospels point out from the birth of Christ to the death of Christ, the true humanity of Christ. Did you know that he ate like a human being? That he slept like a true human being? That he wept? That he agonized? He was a man. He was truly bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. Our Lord did not just appear to be human. What does the word of God say? John 1.14 And the word became flesh. The humanity of our Lord was, was not some coat that he wore and then took off at the resurrection or at the ascension. Our Lord became flesh. And the cry of our Lord, I thirst, is almost a final uh, underscoring, if you will, of this great point. Do you see... How truly human your savior is. It was almost a final exclamation point. Do you see how truly human your savior is? How able he is to identify with your cries, with your needs. He thirsted. His true humanity is true humanity. And why is that significant? And I want you to to suffer with me. And I pray that you can suffer through, not suffer with me, but I pray that you would be able to suffer through a number of lines from John Calvin on this point. It was imperative that he who was to come become our redeemer, be true God and true man. Listen, it was his task to swallow up death. Who? But the life could do this. It was his task. To conquer sin. Who but very righteousness could do this. Accordingly our Lord came forth. As true man. To present our flesh. As the price of. Of satisfaction to God's righteous judgment. And in the same flesh. To pay the penalty that we had deserved. In short. Since neither as God alone could he feel death, nor as man alone could he overcome it. He coupled human nature with divine nature that to atone for sin, he might submit the weakness of the one to death. And that wrestling with death by the power of the other nature, he might win victory for us. Hallelujah. What a Savior. All this is wrapped up. All that John Calvin has just said is wrapped up in these two little words. I thirst. Here truly is the Savior. We needed someone like us from our side to make atonement for our sins. Brothers and sisters, behold the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He had become like us in every way. To the point of even thirsting. He was our Savior who was not touched by the feelings of your and my weaknesses or your and my infirmities. He knows our frame. He knows who we are. He never forgets that you and I are dust. Why? Because he too became dust. And at that moment... There was glorified dust on the cross bearing all of our sin and all of our shame. And now, picture this, glorified dust now reigns on the throne of heaven forever. These two little words, they show us how our Lord is able to help us in our troubles, in our trials, in our afflictions that touch our lives. He knows what it is to thirst He knows what it is to to suffer want. He He knows what it is to ache for help. Brothers and sisters, what are your weaknesses this morning? What does your heart cry out for? What are the burdens that overwhelm your humanity? Whatever they are, Jesus not only knows your weaknesses, He has an understanding of the feeling of those weaknesses. He has, if you will, a a fellow feeling with us, for us. That's the word in Hebrews, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, who is not able to have a fellow feeling with our weaknesses. But one who in every way, in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He has a fellow feeling. Do you thirst this morning? Our Lord says, I know what it is to thirst. Do you have fear this morning? Our Lord says, I know what it is to have fear. I have been where you are. He has entered our humanity at its lowest point. Dear ones, are you weary this morning? Do you find yourself being weak this morning? Have you sought the broken cisterns that Jeremiah speaks of only to find out that they do not satisfy, they do not quench your thirst? Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Dear ones, you cannot carry the weight of the burdens of this life on your own. Carrying the weights of the burdens of this life, the that burdens that this life will surely bring your way, will only bring you down. Carrying things that you are not meant to carry will only slow down your progress Progress in your walk with Christ. You cannot carry the burdens of your unrepentant, unsaved families. You cannot bear the weight of the world's temptations. You cannot bear the weight of walking the Christian life on your own. It is impossible and you were never created to do so. The creator of all things has endured the unendurable. The parched lips of the Savior highlighted the anguish that he experienced in his flesh on the behalf of sinners why so that we might never experience the unendurable parchness of lips that he experienced by partaking fully and completely the divine wrath of God and what is he doing he is making a gospel call how is this a gospel call He is the one who knows what it is to be parched. So come to Christ. He is now risen. So come to him. He is now the living one. So come to him. Come to Christ and he will take away your thirst. He will satisfy your thirst. He says to the woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. Drink of this water and for the rest of eternity, if you rely on that water, you will thirst and you will have unquenchable, unceasing thirst. You will be under the divine wrath of God. But drink from Christ and you will never thirst again. He will satisfy your thirst. Why? Because he has endured the unquenchableness of the divine wrath of God for us. So come to Christ and never thirst again. He is coming. He has come. And he has offered living water. He has taken the famished experience on our behalf. So come to him. Come to him. Come to him. And never thirst again. By grace, through faith, be completely satisfied in Christ. Come to him this morning to the glory of God. Come to him. And see how he will satisfy you in every single way. Let us stand.